strike up the band. It's time for a Wednesday edition of the show that shakes the Southland. We are y'all broadcasting on great radio stations across the Southeast, as well as in podcast form. You can find us each and every day on Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, as well as TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Apple iTunes, and you can find us at y'all.com. Got a neat little page there devoted to the y'all show you just click on there and you'll see all of the now more than 650 episodes that we've been cranking out here for several years it's all about the south each and every time that we get together here on y'all john rawls my name i am the general of all things southern and i appreciate you tuning in we've got a very busy wednesday show with unfortunately florida bracing for all of the effects of tropical storm turned hurricane Adalia, as the Big Bend area of the Sunshine State right now getting pummeled by this Category 4 hurricane. We'll give you all the latest from the Sunshine State already today. Governor DeSantis having a big press conference in Tallahassee and all of the emergency officials gathered in the capital city to discuss this storm as it's going to be coming in to the southeast of Tallahassee in an area that's not very populated that's a good thing, but it's going to create a lot of problems with a more than 10 feet of storm surge coming into that section of the Sunshine State. So we'll give you all that we can as far as Hurricane Adalia hitting Florida today and already big-time emergency alerts not only in Florida, but Georgia as well as South Carolina with hurricane warnings and emergency warnings, evacuations and alerts of all types coming in from multiple southern states today we'll give you all of the details of that as we go through our news headlines today you can reach us here at the y'all show as we have an email address available for you to reach out to us 24 hours a day and the way to do that via email is mail mail at y'all.com it's a very simple process just drop that email and we'll get it, and we'll be happy to pass along. If texting is more of your style, we have a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week text line that you can reach us, and that's 615-208-4184, 615-208-4184. In addition to talking about Adalia today on today's Y'all Show, we've got a lot of political talk to pass along as well. Tennessee wrapped up its special session abruptly by the way on tuesday we'll give you all the latest from nashville regarding the special session that was primarily set up to look at some gun legislation to maybe restrict some gun authority in the state of tennessee we'll give you all the info from nashville on that also a convicted rapist who escaped an arkansas prison on a jet ski he's been captured in West Virginia. We'll give you, give you the information on that. Plus, we have our first dropout of the 2024 presidential race. I'll fill you in on a Southerner who has suspended their presidential campaign. To me, that means their history. I don't recall anybody suspending a campaign and then deciding to jump back into the, the madness. But we'll tell you who that was. Also, Louisiana Congressman Steve Scalise has di- been, he's been diagnosed with a, a a form of cancer. I'll give you the latest of the big-time political guy who is is a, a major presence 
on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. Steve Scalise News will pass along that today on the Y'all Show. Plus, there are a few cities of the South that have just shown up on a ranking that you don't really necessarily want to be on. The dirtiest cities in America. I'll let you know which ones they are. Uh, Heads up, there's a city in the South that's number one for the dirtiest city in America. Yee. Not good news. Not good news. Plus, a teenager in Alabama has just found on their family property a 34-million-year-old whale skull. you got to be kidding me. Yes, absolutely true story. And we'll let you know how this youngster in Bama was out on the property there. Lindsay Stallworth, she's a junior at the Alabama School of Math and Science in Mobile, and she was out hunting fossils in Monroe County, Alabama, and she found a 34-million-year-old whale skull. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty impressive. Also from Alabama, we've got a listing of the 20 celebrities that you may not know that are from the heart of Dixie. Yeah, people that you had no clue that they have Alabama ties. And in that mix, your current Joint Chiefs of Staff Chairman, Lloyd Austin. He is a native or born in Mobile. And there's a lot more of that where we'll dive into 20 famous Alabamians that you may not have even known. They were, first of all, from the South, or more importantly, they were from Alabama. All that's coming up in our news headlines of today. We've got sports news to tell you about. Ooh, a close call in Major League Baseball. Alex Cobb, pitcher for the San Francisco Giants, came within one out of a no-no, and it didn't happen against the Cincinnati Reds. We'll give you the latest out of Major League Baseball. Plus, a Virginia Cavalier is not going to be able to suit up and take on the Tennessee Vols Saturday. Unfortunately, a knee injury for Chico Bennett Jr. He's UVA's top pass rusher. He's going to be out for that big game at Nissan Stadium in Nashville this weekend, ACC versus SEC. We're hours away from the start of the Labor Day weekend slate of college football games. I'll go through a few of Thursday's games that you can tune in and see on various TV networks. Yes, real football kicking off in hours, and we'll tell you a few of the big contests for both FBS and FCS schools. That's coming up in our sports news today. Plus, more talk. The the smoke is continuing to, to waft a little bit for the ACC to potentially add a few new members as they're talking to the Stanfords and Cows and now SMUs of the world. I'll give you a report out of ESPN about the ACC's potential expansion. And in our sports news today, the first black student athlete at Ole Miss Coolidge Ball has died. We'll give you information on this basketball player who played for the Johnny Rebs back in the early 1970s. Coolidge Ball passing away in the Oxford area at age 71 years old. He was a basketball player. Gentle Ben Williams was among the first football players to play at the University of Mississippi. But we'll give you more on Coolidge Ball of Ole Miss basketball fame and his passage in our sports headlines of today's Y'all Show. 
We also have other items of interest that you want to make sure you hang on and listen to on today's program all about the Southeast because it is Wednesday. And I'll give you a big heads up. One thing that happens on Wednesday is Megan Headwall drops by. And she'll be dropping by in our third hour, and she's got a big announcement. So we'll let you know what that is when she stops by. Here in this first hour, though, I do want to tell you that in addition to the news and sports headlines of the day, that we are going to have hashtag hullabaloo come your way. And included in that is a ranking of some of our favorite sweet tea places in the Southeast. Some of the national chains and someone has gone on social media and ranked the best sweet tea from these big time chains. Ooh, I'm sure you've got your own list. We'll compare to what this person says. Plus, also we're going to let you know about boxing great Roy Jones Jr. His name popped up in a online discussion about the Southeast and I'll let you know why. And our hashtag hullabaloo coming up here in our first hour. Hour number two today, in addition to talking about the latest with Hurricane Adalia, we'll have that sunshine state on our mind in terms of sports because we are spotlighting the Florida State Seminoles on this Wednesday Y'all Show. FSU comes into the 2023 season ranked in the top 10. They got a huge game in the opening weekend of football as this Labor Day weekend, FSU and LSU get together on the football field, or at least they're supposed to. I'm sure this hurricane's going to affect a few things in the state of Florida, but since this game was scheduled not for Tallahassee, but for Orlando, I'm sure they'll be able to kick it off as scheduled there in Central Florida this weekend. But Mike Norvell will hear from the coach that's been in Tallahassee a few years and learn more about his football team and we'll tell you about some of the great traditions of fear the spear from the graveyard of some of their opponents that they've knocked off through the years that's a great FSU tradition to the garnet and gold Chief Osceola the Bobby Bowden legacy at Tallahassee and so much more about the ACC's own and multiple national champion Florida State Seminoles. Oh, yes, that's a great tradition. The war chant at FSU. All that coming up in our second hour of the Y'all Show. Plus, we have in our third, or rather, second hour, our business spotlight today. And we've got a really neat thing to pass along. The salary every single person needs to make in every U.S. state. So we've gone through, and we've got all 16 states lined up. And we've got, courtesy of CNBC, this article that has just been published. And it is, again, the salary that every single person needs to make to get by in each one of our southern states. Really, it was done for all U.S. states. But we'll focus in on the 16 southern states. All that's part of our Southern Business Report coming your way in our second hour. In our third hour today, as I said, Megan Headwall dropping by. She's going to have an announcement that we'll want to make sure that we hear from her. Plus, she's going to come on as Labor Day is just around the corner. She and I are going to have some fun talking about the best and worst jobs, not just for ourselves, what we've had to endure through the years, but for the rest of the country, what some articles have said about the best and worst jobs. That's coming up in our third hour. Plus, in that third hour, we got to look at some Southern history before we get out of here on this Wednesday Today marks the anniversary of the Second Battle of Manassas, a.k.a. the Second Battle of Bull Run in the American Civil War. 
We'll go through that with some Civil War history here on the Y'all Show. Plus, today marks the debut of one Ty Cobb, the Georgia slugger, made his debut for the Detroit Tigers. And I'll let you know about this moment in baseball history. We also have a couple of birthdays of note today. Fashion guy Jeffrey Bean, born on this day, as well as tennis great Andy Roddick. Yeah, did you know he was from the South? We'll let you know all about that tennis player as the U.S. Open has now begun in the New York City area. Tennis, anyone? (laughs) We'll have all that coming up on this Wednesday Y'all Show. We appreciate you for tuning in and joining us for the fun. Now, let's dive into the latest with this Hurricane Adalia that is pounding Florida today. Coming in in the Big Bend area. No major city in that section of the Sunshine State, at least not on the coast. But as you work your way inland, this thing's headed right toward Valdosta, Georgia. If you look at the projected path, this thing's going to stay on as it works its way across the panhandle, really right at the formation of the panhandle where Florida turns from panhandle into more of the peninsula portion of the state. But the storm strengthened to a Category 4 hurricane early on this Wednesday and moved toward the Big Bend, the curve, if you will, of Florida's Gulf Coast and evacuations leading up to the storm hitting the area as it is coming ashore with a huge storm surge. We don't have the reports in quite yet of, of exactly the projections or, or where they think this storm, the storm surge, where it actually ended up totaling. More to come on that. But the National Weather Service called Adalia an unprecedented event since no major hurricane on record has ever passed through this area of the Big Bend area. How about that? That's pretty weird. So this is virgin territory from a hurricane standpoint, it sounds like. Now, they had the awful hurricane a few years back that hit over toward Panama City, but that was 100, 150 miles west of where this storm's coming ashore west of Cedar Key and east of, kind of southeast of Tallahassee so unfortunately the population there, which is not all that great, this is a very sparse part of Florida compared to most of Florida they're they're having to deal with something that they really haven't had to deal with in a long long time if not ever frankly so our thoughts again today as this storm is hitting florida and now moves toward as i said valdosta georgia and south georgia and today we can tell you that there are alerts in these other states Both Governor Brian Kemp of Georgia and South Carolina Governor Henry McMaster have announced states of emergency, which free up state resources and personnel. They can even call in National Guard troops with Adalia heading those states' way. If you look at this projected path, this storm's going to stay kind of a few miles inland of the coast of Georgia and South Carolina. And then likely, if it stays on the projected path, Around Georgetown, South Carolina, this storm is going to, on Thursday, cross back over into the Atlantic Ocean. This storm, 
Adalia could end up going back out in the Atlantic, strengthening, and then coming back somewhere on the Atlantic seaboard. That's how these storms work. Now, of course, it could go out into the Atlantic and dissipate. That would be the best scenario. But sure enough, this thing could do a U-turn and come back in the next few days. So it's part of the intrigue of hurricanes and the tropical prediction centers, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. For example, they've recently said the 2023 hurricane season would be far busier than initially forecast, and that's because of the extremely warm ocean temperatures. The ocean-slash-hurricane season of which the ocean would be playing a part of, hurricane season runs through November 30th. And right now, August and September, as we're about to turn the calendar to September, those are the most active months, these two months here that we're right at the corner of for hurricane activity. Let's all hope for the best for the multiple southern states, especially Florida, which is going to feel the brunt of this thing today. Now, if you are a Floridian and you have evacuated or you're from South Georgia and you need to evacuate, we want to let you know that a couple of NASCAR speedways have opened up their facilities for Hurricane Adalia evacuees as they've got campgrounds now open at the NASCAR tracks of Atlanta and Charlotte Motor Speedway as they're going to be providing space for dry camping to evacuees going to do that for free they started doing this they opened it up on Tuesday afternoon as the campgrounds at both Atlanta Speedway and Charlotte Motor Speedway the campgrounds accessible to RV motorhomes, fifth wheels travel trailers and Super C class campers evacuee family campgrounds now at these NASCAR speedways. The Motor Speedway Executive VP of Atlanta, Brandon Hutchinson, in a statement said that anyone who's looking to get out of the path of Adalia is welcome to stay with us here at Atlanta Motor Speedway with hundreds of acres of campgrounds and a supporting infrastructure. Our facility is well equipped to help in times of need. That's why we've made it a habit of working hand-in-hand with Henry County Emergency Management for more than a decade to lend a helping hand for situations like this. What a pretty cool story. What a pretty cool story, both for Atlanta and in Charlotte, opening up their campgrounds of these big, massive speedways for evacuees. Now, Charlotte Motor Speedway, North Carolina, said camping will be available for evacuees as long as possible. And they've given access to a bathhouse on the Speedway's property as well. So kudos to NASCAR. Something the sport, the motorsport, has gotten right here this week. Good job there. Now, as the hurricane approaches, we've got a whole nother phenomenon going on in the world of science and atmosphere today. A supermoon. And this supermoon, a rare blue moon supermoon is going to help unfortunately raise tides that hurricane adalia is going to be affecting okay and of course these tides are worldwide or at least wherever the blue moon the blue supermoon is affecting today 
as the moon will be closest to the earth today, the same day Adalia is expected to make landfall in Florida. While a supermoon can make for a spectacular backdrop for photos, it has a intensified gravitational pull that makes tides higher. At the National Weather Service office in Charleston, South Carolina, Brian Haynes, a meteorologist there, said, I would say the timing is pretty bad for this super blue moon as it's expected to make tidal flooding worse, not only in Florida, but in both Georgia and South Carolina areas that are going to be hit by this storm as it comes through. So, as this meteorologist said, very bad timing, y'all, for a super blue moon. In honor of that, we'll try to play a little Earl Thomas Conley once in a blue moon on today's y'all show. But go out and see it tonight. Again, this is going to be the best night to see this super blue moon an update from that killing of the university of north carolina administrator who was gunned down in a classroom this week a graduate student walked into that on-campus building at unc shot his faculty advisor and then the 34 year old to key left the building and Tuesday, he was charged with first-degree murder and having a gun on educational property as he killed his faculty advisor there at UNC, Z.G. Yan. Killed Yan inside a science building at the state's public university, the flagship public university. Chapel Hill, North Carolina police arrested Key without force in a residential neighborhood near campus within two hours of the attack. So they're investigating and trying to figure out where and why and and how this guy goes in to Caudill Labs on the UNC campus and kills his faculty advisor. This is a guy who I think undergrad got a degree at LSU, Delay Key, the 34-year-old, and goes and murders, I'm sure, a bright shining face on the UNC faculty on Monday. An update from a Arkansas story. A man escaped from an Arkansas prison using a jet ski in 2022. Now, Samuel Hartman has been captured in West Virginia. The 39-year-old arrested along with his wife, his mother, and his mother's boyfriend at a hotel in Lewisburg, West Virginia. Hartman, a convicted rapist who authorities say used a jet ski during an escape from an Arkansas prison in 2022, now arrested in West Virginia. So, yes, these women also arrested because his wife and mother arrested because they're accused of helping Hartman escape back in August of 2022 from the East Arkansas Regional Unit in Brickies, Arkansas, and he was on a work detail in a field near that detention facility when a pickup truck with the women inside approached him. Several gunshots fired at corrections officers from the waiting vehicle. As Hartman ran to it, the vehicle fled to 
a place where two jet skis were staged near the Mississippi River, not far from the prison. And I guess he got on the jet ski and went across that mighty Mississippi because the jet skis were found on the Mississippi side of the river. And one witness reported seeing a man and two women riding on. Pretty brilliant. Be honest with you, for this guy, again, a convicted rapist out of Arkansas. But the good news is it took a year. But in the end, justice caught up with Samuel Hartman, the Arkansas inmate, and jet skis be danged. This guy's back in prison, and those women who helped him out, his wife and his mom, and I guess even her mom's, his mom's boyfriend, couldn't run from the law long enough. That's a pretty brilliant move, though. I gotta, I gotta admit, if you're gonna escape from a prison, nowhere did I think a jet ski would be in the in the forecast. <laughs> Let's talk a little politics for a moment. As Georgia's Fannie Willis is under the watchful eye of Republicans and Donald Trump and more, the Fulton County District Attorney, who's on vacation this week, I've been told. But Republicans in Washington, D.C. and in Georgia are attacking her after she announced the indictment of former President Donald Trump, indicted for conspiring to overturn the 2020 presidential election results in the state of Georgia. Now, a lot of Republicans in both the nation's capital and even in Fannie Willis's Georgia attacking her but one person not is Governor Brian Kemp of Georgia. Kemp, who's had to endure his own attacks from President Trump over his refusal to endorse the former president's claim about election misfortunes, if you will, in the state of Georgia. Kemp so far has declined to comment on the indictment of Trump and the other 18 folks in the state of Georgia. He's pleading the fifth. Now, one thing he did tell someone was, Democrats want us to be focused on things like this, so we're not focused on Joe Biden's record. That's what Brian Kemp recently said to a radio host, Eric Erickson, as he was at a conservative political conference and told Eric Erickson just that. So that's a pretty good statement. And you know what? What does he have to gain? I think if he jumps into this fire, Brian Kemp, that is, he's going to just not make people happy. He's going to he's not going to make Trump people happy because they're going to say, "Well, where have you been all along?" And then if he jumps in and, and is critical of Trump, then that's also going to bring suspicions, maybe from even the Trump side. So smart. In, in this case, I would agree with Kemp. Just, just kind of stay out of it for the most part, and focus on Joe Biden. I like that. That's a good, good philosophy there, Governor. Now, one other political story here in this opening hour: Louisiana U.S. Representative Steve Scalise announcing that he has multiple myeloma, but says it's a very treatable type of blood cancer. Scalise, who's represented Louisiana District One for 15 years in Congress. He's also the House Majority Leader 
in the U.S. Congress. He announced this on social media Tuesday. He said, after a few days of not feeling like myself this past week, I had some blood work done. The results uncovered some irregularities and other undergoing additional tests. I was diagnosed with multiple myeloma, a very treatable blood cancer. I have now begun treatment, which is going to continue for the next several months. Steve Scalise, the majority leader of the U.S. House, we wish him the best. Remember, of course, back in 2017, he was nearly killed when a man opened fire at the congressional baseball team practice there in northern Virginia and Scalise somehow thankfully survived that so we know this guy is a fighter and we wish him the best the house leader from Louisiana Steve Scalise in a big battle now with this myeloma fight and that is most of the headlines that we'll be covering today we've got plenty more that we'll get to as we continue on with the y'all show including some fun stuff out there including that young lady in Alabama finding one heck of a find on her Monroe County, Alabama property. The skull of a whale from a couple of million years ago. (laughs) Yeah, what a discovery. We'll have that story plus some dirty city talk as we continue on with our news headlines. But when we come back, it was almost another no-hitter in Major League Baseball on Tuesday evening. I'll let you know where that happened and how it almost became another no-no for MLB. That plus some college football news as the Y'all Show on a Wednesday continues. on the Y'all Show Wednesday edition. Chris Ledoux, the ultimate Western cowboy kind of guy that was born in the great Western cowboy kind of place known as Biloxi, Mississippi. <laughs> you probably didn't see that one coming, did you? Yeah, I think his dad was in the Air Force. That's the reason he was born in Mississippi. The late, great Chris Ledoux. We're back on the Y'all Show talking about all things Southern and let's pick up the pace on some southern sports news here in this opening hour of the y'all show how about major league baseball pitcher alex cobb oh man we're feeling for him today because alex cobb came within one out one daggum out of pitching a no hitter 
on Tuesday for the San Francisco Giants. Can you just imagine how humiliating that must be? Although, if he's a good sport about it, the Massachusetts-born pitcher is going to laugh it off. Yeah, he's going to say, hey, I'm getting paid to come up here and play baseball anytime I get a chance to play is a good thing. No problem if I came just a little too close for comfort to a no-hitter. But yes, he's been a pitcher in Major League Baseball since 2011 when he was with the Tampa Bay Rays for a number of years. Then he was with the Orioles, Angels, and now for the last two seasons, Alex Cobb has been a member of the San Francisco Giants. And against the Cincinnati Reds on Tuesday, he came within one out, just falling short of a no-hitter as the Giants were at home taking on the Cincinnati Reds as Austin Slater, one of his center fielders, helped him stay in the game. But unfortunately, the Reds got a two-out. I'm trying to see who it was. Okay, it was Spencer Steer for Cincinnati who doubled with a two-out hit in the ninth inning. And that double for the Red Slugger ended the no-hit bid by Cobb. But San Francisco still won the game 6-1 to over Cincinnati. Tough loss there for the Massachusetts native. But a good job on the diamond. And so, even if he is a Yankee, we tip our hat to Alex Cobb of Major League Baseball for a wonderful job. I think there's been two no-hitters in Major League Baseball thus far. I think that's the count. There have been a few. There might have even been three thus far. So, good job there from Major League Baseball. A college football story to tell you about. Virginia Cavalier defensive end Chico Bennett Jr. is going to miss this weekend's game against the Tennessee Vols as the Cavaliers and Volunteers get together at Nissan Stadium Saturday in Nashville. Bennett is going to miss because of a knee injury. That according to UVA head football coach Tony Elliott. And they're hopeful that Elliott said that they're hopeful that Bennett is going to get back and play when the Hoos return home to Virginia and take on the James Madison Dukes. Bennett has been Virginia's best pass rusher. And unfortunately, that's going to really hurt their effort to knock off and surprise the Vols in a game played within the Volunteer State, but not at Neyland Stadium Saturday when it'll be 95%, I'm sure, Tennessee fans within the confines of Nissan Stadium. According to Coach Elliott, Chico Bennett Jr. sustained a non-contact knee injury during a preseason scrimmage a couple of weeks ago, and he's had surgery to remove bone fragments that have been hurting his knee, and it caused swelling. Not going to be ready for this opener against Tennessee, but should be back against JMU in a few weeks. We wish Chico Bennett Jr. the best for the Hoos of UVA. And a reminder that college football is going to start its Labor Day weekend festivities within hours. Thursday, there's a bunch of college football games 
taking place. And just a few of the goodies that I'll tell you about right now on the Y'all Show. You've got Elon going a few miles down the road from their campus in North Carolina to take on Wake Forest at a legacy Federal Credit Union Stadium in Winston-Salem. That's a all-North Carolina battle that you can tune in and see starting at 7 Eastern, 6 Central on Thursday evening. Elsewhere, UCF's got a home game Thursday against Kent State. Georgia State at Center Park Stadium has Rhode Island, the Rams, coming down for a battle with the Panthers of GSU. NC State's going to be on the road. The Wolfpack will be taking on the Huskies of UConn up in East Hartford. That's a game televised on the CBS Sports Network Thursday evening. Big game because it involves a top 25 team. Utah, the Utes, on ESPN Thursday evening. They'll be playing the Florida Gators. SEC versus, right now, a Pac-12 team that's going to be in the Big 12 pretty dang soon. Minnesota and Nebraska have a Big Ten battle Thursday night. It's going to be televised live on Fox. How about that? Missouri, another SEC team in action. They're going to be taking on the Coyotes of South Dakota on Thursday evening. UAPB of the SWAC, they're going to be getting a big paycheck to play the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. Another HBCU is going to be playing on Thursday evening. North Carolina A&T, the Aggies will be at Protective Stadium in Birmingham as they'll be visiting the Alabama Birmingham Blazers, UAB and North Carolina A&T. That's some of the fun Thursday, and if I can pull it up, I'll tell you about maybe some FCS-only action going down Thursday in college football. Thursday FCS action, yeah, I've got some. North Greenville and Charleston Southern get together at Buccaneer Field in Ladson, South Carolina. How about a battle between Nichols and Sacramento State at Manning Field in Thibodeau, Louisiana, Thursday night. Furman and Tennessee Tech. A good old OVC SOCON battle at Paladin Stadium in Greenville, South Carolina. The Eagles of Tennessee Tech going to South Carolina for a game against Furman. You also have going down some FCS action. Thursday, Lamar in Beaumont, Texas. They've got the Idaho Vandals coming in for a contest. And a team we featured just a few weeks back. Late game for this team. Late night in Homewood as Samford, the Bulldogs of Samford University, are going to be hosting Shorter. I think this game might have been changed because of the hurricane, perhaps. But this game is starting at 10 Birmingham time. Good Lord, I don't know if I've ever seen a game that late in central time zone in, in my short life. <laughs> and that's a look at some of our sports news of the day right here on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. We've got more sports line, sports, sports headlines that we'll be covering as we go forward on today's show, including the passage of the first black athlete at Ole Miss. We'll share that information about the loss of Coolidge Ball in our sports headlines going forward. But up next, we're going to wrap up this first hour of the Y'all Show with a look at some social media fun courtesy of hashtag Hullabaloo. That's coming up right after this timeout. 
gave me ten little bottles of some special stuff that he had brewed up himself. So I took it and hid it down in my basement. But my wife found out about it, and she told me to get rid of it or else. Since I didn't like the way she said, or else, I went down there and proceeded to carry out her instructions. I set the ten little bottles on the drain board, picked up the first bottle, pulled the cork out of it, and poured it down the sink. That is, all except one little swatter. Some old country there from Johnny Bond. You might remember here some... Some, he was using some westerns and things like that. The Oklahoman, born in 1915, and that was a song that went to number two and stayed there for four weeks back in 1965, a song he wrote. Ten little bottles. We're back here on the Y'all Show wrapping up this opening hour. Now time for a little hashtag hullabaloo where we go on social media and find out some great stuff to talk about. And Ann Huffstuffler, she's on social media, and she has just put a post up that is ranking of tea according to a southerner these are her thoughts on tea and she's got a ranking of five national chains if you will and their tea so are you ready do you agree with ann her top five teas coming in at number five bojangles now i realize a lot of the south doesn't have bojangles but as a guy who's had plenty of bojangles tea absolutely it's great tea I agree with that. Yes. She's got it number four, Tzatziki's. Now, I've not had Tzatziki's tea. Makes me want to go try it out. Number three, she's got for a great tea of the South, Chicken Salad Chick. I haven't had, I have not had that. I will have to yield to her with her thoughts on Chicken Salad Chick for great tea. And then she's got it number two, Cracker Barrel as great tea in the South. And her number one, is Chick-fil-A. And you know what? I went and had me a couple of gallons of beautiful, delicious, scrumptious Chick-fil-A tea just last night. Yay. I even had a little bit left over when I took my vitamins this morning. And we wrap up this hour with a tweet from Duran Jackson at Duran Jackson 444. He says, the month of August is out of here with these triple-digit days like Roy Jones Jr., y'all must have forgot. It's definitely back to being the hottest month of the year. And Duran, when you mentioned Roy Jones Jr., I didn't know who you were talking about, so I had to do a little research. And Roy Jones Jr., a.k.a. Superman, a.k.a. Captain Hook, an accomplished boxer that is from Pensacola, Florida. He's 54 years young, and he was in the Olympics and was one heck of a welterweight boxer and he actually has dual citizenship both in the united states and in russia roy jones jr some info about him on this y'all show that wraps up hour one
from the Y'all Show Weather Center. We're back here covering tropical storm-turned Hurricane Adalia as the Category 4 hurricane has now made landfall near Keaton Beach, Florida on this Wednesday, and it is going to cause havoc throughout most of Florida today, then working its way later in today into the state of Georgia and South Carolina. We've got plenty of information about Idalia on today's Y'all Show. We also have political information that we'll be passing along. And we'll have, well, we've got some fun stuff to share with you on today's Y'all Show that you want to make sure you stay tuned. John Rawl is my name, and I am the general of all things Southern. And it's great to have you back here for our number two as we've got the heat coming your way on this Super Blue Moon Wednesday. And we have, as I said, we've got some fun stuff to get through on today's Y'all Show. Included in that, it's not really fun, but it's, it's kind of funny. We've got the top 20 dirtiest cities in America. And a southern city is number one. Is it your city? <laughs> we'll let you know about that in our headlines across the southeast. Plus, a youngster in Alabama has found a whale skeleton. Uh, the skull, I guess, of a an ancient whale. A 34-million-year-old whale skull found by this youngster in Monroe County, Alabama. What a job by Lindsey Stallworth. I'll tell you more about this discovery in the heart of Dixie. Plus, speaking of the heart of Dixie, we've got a listing courtesy of AL.com of famous Alabamians that you might not have known were even from Alabama. We're going to walk through that here in this hour of the Y'all Show. Plus, today in our headlines, I don't know if I'll be able to get to it here in this second hour, but some big news if you love Dairy Queen is Dairy Queen's going to offer blizzards for 85 cents in certain locations of America. (laughs) Going to do that for two weeks and going to even debut a new blizzard flavor they should call it the donald trump because if you know much about trump not long ago in iowa while he was campaigning he went into a dairy queen and he started getting blizzards for a lot of people inside that restaurant and he didn't know what a blizzard was shame 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 mr president (laughs) i guess they don't have those in manhattan or at mar-a-lago but they should Those are some of the news headlines that we'll be sharing with you on today's second hour of the Y'all Show. Plus, we have coming up in this hour of our conversation that we get together and have each and every day. We've got a spotlight on the Florida State Seminoles coming up here in just a few minutes as Mike Norvell, the former head coach of the Memphis Tigers, took the job at Tallahassee a few years back after his Memphis team won the AAC and played in the Cotton Bowl. He took off for the bright lights of Tallahassee and Dope Campbell. And Norvell's got a top 10 FSU team this year. They're getting ready to take on LSU in Orlando here on Labor Day weekend. We'll give you the skinny on FSU's 2023 schedule. We'll let you know about what Mike Norvell's feeling. We've got some audio from just this week where he talked about his team getting ready for the Bayou Bengals. Plus, we also will tell you about some of the great traditions you'll find when you're in 
the Sunshine State and you attend a Florida State Seminole football game. You better get that hand going back and forth doing the tomahawk chop because that's a great tradition that you'll find at Florida State University, FSU, the Seminoles, the Knowles, if you will, if you want to shorten it up. A spotlight on them. Plus, we've got some other sports news that we'll be sharing with you here in our second hour. All that's coming up. Plus, we have in this hour of the Y'all Show a Southern Business Report. And included in that is we've got, courtesy of CNBC, an article, the salary every single person needs to make to be able to survive in every U.S. state. And we will compare our various Southern states and tell you if you've got that much uh, amount in the bank, I don't want to hear you complaining because according to CNBC, you've got enough to get by. <laughs> so we'll have all that coming up. And reminder, hour number three today, Megan Headwall dropping by for a conversation that's Labor Day oriented. All that on the show that shakes the Southland, the Y'all Show. Let's dive into news headlines of the hour. And the big story today is Hurricane Adalia as it has made landfall on the Big Bend area of the Sunshine State coming ashore near Keaton Beach, Florida as a Category 4 storm. Winds big time. A Category 4 storm. We haven't seen one of those in in a, in a while, frankly. And you've got gusts that are just massive. And this storm hitting that area of the Sunshine State going to churn northeastward not necessarily toward Jacksonville I think Jacksonville is going to for the most part be in the clear on this but it's headed toward Valdosta Georgia and Lowndes County in South Georgia and then it'll head over toward Savannah there's already emergency alerts for Georgia and South Carolina emergency declarations in both states Governors Kemp and McMaster with that, as wind speeds for Adalia, 120 miles an hour plus. As it moves now north northeast from that area of the Gulf Coast of Florida. I know it's going to affect I-10 because not far from where it comes ashore today is you've got I-10 heading from Jacksonville toward Tallahassee and on to the Pensacola area of Florida. So going to be rough travel today, not just on I-10, but interstate. It should be 75, I guess. 75 coming straight out of Atlanta toward Tampa and South Georgia. That's what goes through Valdosta. And that's going to be affected too. So keep in mind any kind of travel in Florida, Georgia, even even in the coastal sections of South Carolina over the next 24 to 48 hours because Adalia is one powerful storm. Rainfall, big time expected, not just in Florida, Georgia, but both Carolinas, even to Virginia Beach, Virginia, they're going to see flash flood threats and more from this thing. Well inland, too. Almost to Atlanta, you're going to have flash flood threats for the state of Georgia. We will keep you abreast of all 
the things that you should know with Adalia's arrival now in the state of Florida today. Our thoughts with the good people of Florida, Governor Ron DeSantis, having an early Wednesday morning presser going over some of the concerns for his st- constituents in the state of Florida. And we hope and pray that we have minimal damage, minimal loss of life, if at all possible. With our first major storm of 2023 now arriving with Adalia. If you are trying to escape that portion of Florida and or South Georgia, two options for you that have popped up. If you've got a camper, you can head to the Atlanta Speedway or the Charlotte Motor Speedway in North Carolina. Both NASCAR tracks have opened up for Hurricane Adalia evacuees opening up for RV motorhomes, fifth wheels, travel trailers, and Super C-class campers, and absolutely free of charge. The Charlotte Motor Speedway is going to even open up a shower facility if you need an escape from Adalia. So that's some important information to pass along here on today's Y'all Show. In our other headlines, the big story outside of when it comes to weather today not necessarily here on earth but if you look way up beyond the clouds at least in the evening hours you got a super moon and it's going to affect hurricane adalia today because it's going to draw up the surf the the tides will be affected by this super moon a rare blue super moon of course a blue moon happens when you've got two full moons within the same calendar month and you got this event today on the 30th day of August, a rare blue supermoon, which is going to raise tides. And it will be closest to the earth today, the same day that Adalia making landfall in the state of Florida. And it's going to be a great photo opportunity for a lot of you to go out in the evening hours and see this blue supermoon but if you live in these areas where Adalia is coming through you may not be the biggest fan of it (laughs) yes when the moon is full the sun and the moon are pulling in the same direction which has the effect of increasing tides above normal ranges the moon's gravitational pulls are even stronger when it's closer to earth as the tides are even higher so storm surge going to be a big factor and it's bad timing for sure with this storm now coming through these areas that have issues with flooding anyway i know as a guy who spent a lot of time in the low country even on clear days they still have problems with high tide and flooding on streets and more you got to be real careful driving around some of those sections of our southern states on clear days for goodness sakes now with this storm coming going to be even more of a danger to be on the lookout for we have some political news to pass along and part of that story comes to us from miami as the mayor of miami francis suarez has announced that he's going to suspend his campaign for president of the united states and Miami Mayor Francis Suarez, the Republican, becomes the first 
person in the 2024 race for the presidency to drop out, if you will. I know he hasn't officially dropped out, but he has suspended his campaign. And usually that's a sign that you're not going to be able to keep going. As in a statement, Suarez said, running for president of the United States has been one of the greatest honors of my life. It was a privilege to come so close to appearing on stage with the other candidates at last week's first debate. He didn't make the debate stage. He's dropped out, essentially. But a good guy, and again, a surprising Republican mayor of one of our large cities in the country, Francis Suarez, he is out as a contender for the White House in 2024. Steve Scalise, the Republican House leader in the U.S. House, the Louisiana congressman, announcing Tuesday that he has multiple myeloma, but says it's a very treatable blood cancer. Wishing him the best in this fight, of course. It was back a few years ago that Steve Scalise was nearly killed when he and other Republicans were practicing for the congressional baseball game and a gunman shot him. And he was essentially hanging on to life when miraculously he was able to overcome that horrible incident of 2017, I think it was, 2017, 2018. And now he's got another fight on on his hands with this cancer diagnosis. Wishing you the best, Representative Steve Scalise of Louisiana, your U.S. House Majority Leader. In Nashville, a special session on public safety has come to an end. Governor Bill Lee called a special session a few months back, and it's been a contentious few days in Nashville, but it has come to an end abruptly. House Speaker Cameron Sexton and Representative Justin Pearson, one of the Tennessee Three, involved in a skirmish on the floor of the U.S. of the Tennessee House on Tuesday as Pearson and Sexton got in each other's faces as Sexton was leaving the House floor and they had to be separated by lawmakers. After the session, Pearson and Representative Justin Jones, I guess his other Tennessee Three, if you will, member, took to the Capitol Rotunda to join a protest saying the session achieved nothing. And he's right on that. This was a special session called that did not do a dang thing. Pearson adding that these Republicans in Tennessee are hurting the community. And he said there's nothing going on in this institution that is allowing this bad behavior to persist. It is racism and white supremacy. Okay, I don't know if he needed to go there. Absolutely did not need to go there, but you got some hotheads on both sides, it appears, in Tennessee and state government. And this is not a good look for Tennessee to have your House leader, Cameron Sexton, getting into a verbal shouting match with a guy named Justin Pearson who has the national microphone right now because he's a very vocal member of the Tennessee State House. And he's got the direct line to the White House. Remember, he and these other members of the so-called Tennessee Three were invited by Joe Biden after they protested 
following the Covenant school shooting in Nashville and went on the Tennessee House floor with a megaphone and created a lot of a lot of embarrassment for Tennessee. And Tennessee retaliated by kicking him out. And now he's back because he was elected. So we'll see what happens when the Tennessee legislators get back together in January for another session of the Volunteer States state political dogfight, it appears. I'm sure more coming on this story. Now a story about the dirtiest cities in America. As a study has been published by House Fresh, and it's a study about dirty cities. It was created to help the public know where the cities stand in terms of cleanliness. From House Fresh. As the list that we're about to tell you, rank from dirtiest to cleanest. Here we go. Your top 20 cities for being dirty. Dirty little cities. Number 20 on the dirty list. Number one would be the dirtiest. Number 20 would be more on the clean side of the country. (laughs) The capital of Texas comes in at number 20. Austin. Number 19, San Francisco. I don't know who's doing the ranking because we know San Francisco is in the news a lot for being nasty, filthy, and full of homeless people. But they're number 19 on this list. 18, Miami. 17, the Big Apple of New York. Number 18 is New Orleans. Or New Orleans number 16, rather. Oakland is 15. H-Town. Houston comes in at number 14 on this list. Number 13 is Chicago. Number 12 is the Music City of Nashville. 11 is Pittsburgh. 10, Dallas is the 10th most dirtiest city in America. Number 9, Buffalo. 8, Kansas City. 7, San Antonio. Number 6, Boston. And now your top 5 dirtiest cities in the country. The 5th most dirtiest city is Memphis. Number 4, Los Angeles. Number 3, the Queen City of Charlotte. Number 2, the capital of California, Sacramento. How in the world could Sacramento be dirtier than San Francisco (laughs) or Los Angeles? That's what it says here, top 20 dirtiest cities. And according to this site, the dirtiest city in the land, Baltimore, Maryland. Again, house fresh has come up with this list. I'm not exactly what House Fresh does for a living, but evidently they go around compiling studies of sanitation-related complaints, and that's the formation of this study and how they come up with this list of the dirtiest cities. Baltimore, you're the dirtiest city in America, you dirty little city, you. (laughs) Now a story from Alabama, and a great story. A teenager there has found a 34-million-year-old whale skull. What a find by Lindsay Stallworth, who's a junior at the Alabama School of Math and Science in Mobile. And she was hunting for fossils at her family's Monroe County farm. And she found a 34-million-year-old skull. And it actually might belong to a new species of whale 
that was previously unknown to scientists. What a find. As Stallworth told AL.com, we saw something, and we were like, oh my gosh, what is it? And once we started digging into it and looking, we realized what we had actually found. A whale skull, 34 million years old, in Monroe County. Pretty impressive. And you don't, according to the photos, you don't have to have the most advanced equipment to go out looking for 34 million year old whale skulls. <laughs> you, you just got to have a shovel, evidently. They've also discovered at the farm in Monroe County, Alabama, two new species of turtles from Alabama fossils. What a career she's got ahead of her, this high school junior from Mobile, Lindsey Stallworth. Other Alabama news to tell you about. AL.com, the website that we just referenced, they've come up with a list of 20 celebrities you may not have known were from Alabama. Surprising people from Alabama. Number one on the list is Lloyd Austin, your current Joint Chiefs Chairman. Or rather, I'm sorry, he's the Secretary of Defense, the retired Army four-star general. Secretary of Defense, he's the 28th Secretary of Defense and the first black person to serve in this role. He's got a master's degree from Auburn University, Lloyd Austin. How about that? Another Alabama star, if you will, is Michael Bain. Michael Bain, who's played the role of Kyle Reese in The Terminator, was born in Anniston, Alabama. He's also been in the movie Navy Seals, Tombstone, and The Rock. Did you realize that Butterbean, the Atlanta-born boxer Butterbean, Eric Eich, is from Alabama, as he lived in Addison before moving on to Michigan, I think. Nat King Cole was born in Montgomery. Nat King Cole, the great singer with Alabama connections. Did you realize that Kim Dickens, a Huntsville native and went to Robert E. Lee High School in Huntsville, went on to go to college at Vanderbilt in Nashville. She plays the role of Madison Clark in the AMC series Fear the Walking Dead. She's been on House of Cards and a bunch of other shows Kim Dickens from Alabama, as well as another actor, Walter Goggins. I love this guy. He's so funny. He's in the Righteous Gemstones right now. He's been with a lot of... uh, He was with Danny... With uh, the other crazy thing that he's been on. The Hateful Eight. Django Unchained. He's in that movie. Great character actor. Walter Goggins. Look him up as he has connections to Alabama, born in Birmingham, raised in Georgia. Another Alabamian of note is Mia Hamm. She was born in Selma, Alabama, the soccer star. Mia Hamm, who played college soccer at UNC. She was born in Alabama. How about that? Evander Holyfield, the great boxer, 
also has Alabama connections as he is an Atmore, Alabama native down in South Alabama. How about Orlando Jones, a Mobile native? He was on the sketch comedy show Mad TV and was a spokesperson for 7-Up and more. He moved to South Carolina at a young age, but Orlando Jones with Alabama connections. How about a great player in Major League Baseball, pitcher Craig Kimbrell, born in Huntsville, played for the Phillies as well as the Padres and Cubs. And he was the NL saves leader four times and a nine-time All-Star and a World Series champ, Craig Kimbrell out of Huntsville. Another guy with baseball connections from Alabama, Willie Mays. The great Willie Mays played for the Birmingham Black Barons and has that connection to Alabama. Born in Westfield, Alabama, Willie Mays. Another Alabama connection, former Chattanooga Mock. Terrell Owens, born in Alexander City, down near Auburn. And he attended Benjamin Russell High School there in Alexander City before going on to UTC and playing in the Southern Conference and then having a chance to play in the NFL for teams like the Eagles, Cowboys, and Bills. Six-time Pro Bowler Terrell Owens, an Alabama native. Glenn Howerton, he's a star of the Always Sunny in Philadelphia show. And although born in Japan, Glenn Howerton moved to Alabama when he was 10 years old and graduated from Jefferson Davis High in Montgomery. Another Alabama connection is Gucci Maine, born in Bessemer, Alabama. Maine would move to Atlanta at nine, and he became a major figure in hip-hop as a rapper and record executive. Gucci Maine, Maine, what a, what a celebrity. Michael Rooker is another Alabamian from Jasper in Walker County. He moved to Chicago when he was 13, but he has played in roles on Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer, and also in Eight Men Out, Mississippi Burning, and more. Actor Michael Rooker from Alabama. How about Robin Roberts? Although she's known for being from Mississippi, she's from Gulfport, I believe, but she was born in Tuskegee. Her dad was a Tuskegee Airman. And she went and played basketball over in Hammond, Louisiana for the Lions at Southeastern Louisiana before going into television and more. But the GMA anchor Robin Roberts, born in Tuskegee, Alabama. How about Satchel Paige? He was born in Mobile in 1906. The great Negro leaguer Satchel Paige is an Alabamian. He'd also play for the Cleveland Indians when he was 42 years old. Kirby Smart, the Alabama assistant turned Georgia Bulldog head coach. Of course, he played for the Bulldogs back in the 1990s. Kirby Smart was born in Montgomery. Kevin Sumlin, another former SEC head football coach. The Texas A&M coach was born and lived for a time in Alabama. As he was born in Bruton in 1964, Kevin Sumlin. DeMarcus Ware, NFL pass rusher, was born in Auburn and attended Auburn University. He played collegiately at Troy. 
And those are just a bunch of some of the great Alabama natives that you might not have known were even from the heart of Dixie. Glad to share that information with you here on the Y'all Show. Roll Tide, War Eagle, Go Troy Trojans, all the great colleges. And some of these people, of course, didn't even go to college like Kirby Smart in their state they were born in. Go Dogs, in his case. (laughs) All right, that's a look at some of our fun for hour number two of this y'all show when we come back we've got a focus on the florida state seminoles as mike norvell has his team ready to go against the lsu tigers for this opening weekend of college football it's all about the Knowles, and we've got some other sports news of the day some sad news out of the old miss community all that is coming up right after this break tunes in all of college sports florida state and a little war chant here on the y'all show and that's not even their so-called fight song the fight song i'm playing right now for you that's another catchy tune we're back on the y'all show we're featuring fsu as our spotlight school on this Wednesday, y'all show the ACC program was 10 and 3 in 2022, and they wrapped up their season with a big bowl win over Oklahoma at the Camping World Bowl in the stadium there in Orlando, right at the end of 2022. Got a win over Florida, also. That was a great win there at Doak Campbell to wrap up the regular season. FSU again getting to that double digit win total. In 2022, this year, they're already in the top 10 entering the 2023 season. And they start the 2023 season back at the same place they won that bowl game, Camping World Stadium, as they've got a contest Sunday evening on ABC, LSU, and FSU. Remember last year, Florida State knocked off the Bayou Bengals in the Superdome in New Orleans. So another neutral site contest with LSU. That's the opening game. FSU then has... Southern Miss coming in to Doak for a gamble uh, game September 9th against the Golden Eagles. ACC opener is with Boston College. That's up in Boston September the 16th. The Knowles then have a contest with Clemson at Death Valley, and that's going to be September 23rd. Virginia Tech comes to Tallahassee October 7th. Syracuse is on the schedule October 14th. The Duke Blue Devils come to Tallahassee on the 21st of October. I think that's, 
October 21st, my vision is not as good as it used to be, y'all. Wake Forest is also a late October opponent as FSU has to go up to Winston-Salem for that one. The Knolls also going to Pitt to take on the Panthers early November. The rivalry with Miami is renewed as they're going to be taking on Miami on November 11th. Then the Lions of North Alabama come down from Florence for a game at Doak on the 18th of November. And then on the Saturday after Thanksgiving, over to Gainesville. The Knolls go for the battle with Florida. And Mike Norvell getting his team ready for this season. As I said, they're in the top ten. Mike Norvell, it was a little slow start there. Remember a few years back, early in the season, FSU lost to Jacksonville State in one of the early games of, I think, the 2021 season. Embarrassment there for Coach Norvell. But he's getting slowly but surely getting it turned around. The 41-year-old head coach who, coming before coming to FSU, was the head coach of the Memphis Tigers for a number of years. And so far in Tallahassee, he's gone... His first year in 2023 and six, followed by five and seven in 2021, and last year with that double-digit win total of ten, he was ten and three and got that Cheez It Bowl victory over OU in Orlando. His final year in Memphis, the Tigers won the AAC. They were 12 and one as Norvell coached them. And then they went and coached. Uh, he went and, and took the job at FSU. The Tigers played, I think it was Michigan in the Cotton Bowl, and they got beat pretty bad in that one. But Memphis finished number 17 in the country in the 2019 season. So a, a very impressive job there leading the Tigers. That's why he got the call to come to Tallahassee and take over this program. Mike Norvell. A bright mind, a, a former UCA Bear. That's where he played his college football. He was a wide receiver, the Texas native. And he's got a good chance this year with his FSU football team. One thing of note, this is the first year the Atlantic Coast Conference, of which FSU plays in, is not going to have divisional play. The two best teams get to go to Charlotte and play for a conference title. So what's killed Florida State the last few years was the absolute Domination that the Clemson Tigers have enjoyed in the Atlantic Division. No more Atlantic, no more coastal. FSU probably is going to benefit from this thing. And Clemson is going to have a little bit more of a harder time to get to that championship game if they get some of the better teams of the ACC on their schedule. I haven't pulled up Clemson's schedule here this week, but I know their first game is going to be a little bit of a challenge. They got Duke on Labor Day night at Duke. And Duke was a much improved team in 2022 with their head coach in his first year. But Norvell is our guy here as we talk about FSU. Let's go hear some comments that the FSU head coach had at practice this week as his Knowles prepare for LSU in a Sunday night battle in Orlando. You know, every game, you know, it's, 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 it's built about around matchups and you know we try to put our guys in the best situation to go you know sh- you know showcase all that they can do and you know when you're facing you know teams that value and utilize you know the versatility of guys skill set then you got to be aware of that but um, you know there's some times that 
it's it's more extreme uh, in what you have to do, and then it kind of limits you know, probably a little bit you know, of the volume of what you're of what you're going to try to do. Uh, you're going into a game one. I mean, you got to expect it all, and you know we've been you know we've been doing things that that they've shown. You were doing things that I mean, who knows? Maybe they, you know, they maybe they've never shown, but you know just. What if? You know, we're trying to. That's that's our job as coaches, and, and utilizing walkthroughs, utilizing those those times. You know, this last week, uh, you know, just trying to play every scenario of what could happen, and and uh, you know, kind of go from there. How does an extra day of practice, game being on Sunday, kind of affect preparation versus the usual Saturday game that you guys have? Well, you know, for us, it's. Um, Everybody gets 25 practices, so it's not like we're gaining any any advantage or um, you know we structured a little bit different just to to take this game. We can extend it a day um, from what normally you know, would have been the case um, in, a, in a in a normal week. So that, that allows tomorrow to be you know a little bit a little bit more of a mental day for us. Uh, we'll have, we'll have our, our, our Wednesday and then uh, you know be able to be able to roll through the end of the week of how we how we normally get the game prep. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I like I like how it how it kind of unfolds. It's ironically the same the same structure as what we had last year uh, because we, you know, we played the game and then the game being on a Sunday, we had that same that same same structure going into the LSU game. All right, Mike Norvell, the head coach of the Florida State Seminoles, talking about his Knowles getting ready for the season opener with LSU in Orlando. A look at TomahawkNation.com has the odds for FSU's season win total and for all you guys and gals that like to put your money where your heart is okay the odds for fsu this year a 12 win total is a plus 750 11 win total odds are 275 a 10 win 10 win total 250 and surely to goodness they're not going to have eight wins but that is 350 according to this TomahawkNation.com. I think they're going to have a great season. If you're all about the garnet and gold, get ready. I think you're going to eclipse 2022's 10 season, 10 win season for sure. Now, about some of the great traditions you'll have at Florida State. Love the colors. Garnet and gold, they're the only college that I'm aware of that uses that color combination. Garnet and gold. At FSU, if you're there in the pregame, at Doak Campbell, you're going to see Chief Osceola and Renegade come out. That tradition was born in 1978 when the Chief would come out there and put a spear down. His lit-up spear would slam it into the ground of the field there. And it just is a pretty intense thing to see. And, of course, Florida State to their great credit, held on to that Seminole nickname. They fought. They fought to keep that. They got the permission of the Florida Seminole tribe to use that name. And kudos to their administration for not folding like most of the schools that had Indian nicknames. FSU holding on and having a proud, proud name there. A very important name in the state of Florida. And so Osceola is a part of that. The traditions at FSU include, as we were playing to start this segment out, the war chant. And you take your hand and you go back and forth. Yeah, great tradition. The Atlanta Braves stole it, by the way. So did the Kansas City Chiefs. Deion Sanders, an FSU great, the credit for Atlanta Braves' theft of war chant. The spear, that great logo, is is a tremendous 
FSU tradition. How about the Sod Cemetery? That is a real place on campus that they take up the side of some of their great road winds and bring it back and plant it in Tallahassee. The War Canoe Trophy is a pretty cool tradition there at FSU. And how about Bobby Bowden, the late native of Alabama, coached FSU to national championships and just a great Southern man. We recently lost Bobby Bowden the last two years, but of course the Bowden name and FSU go hand in hand. And FSU is one of our great Southern schools and certainly one of our great Southern traditions. And today it's been an honor to tell you all about Florida State University as we have been on this tour of the Southeast giving you the skinny on our great traditions and more. We will have Alabama on Thursdays. Y'all show is our featured school. And South Carolina will be our featured school on the Friday edition of the Y'all Show. Speaking of the conference that the Knowles play in, the ACC, according to sources, there is continued momentum to add a few of the Pac-12 schools like Stanford and Cal and possibly even SMU. They were going to have a big discussion about possible expansion of the ACC Monday, but that's when Monday someone went and killed a member of the UNC faculty and that caused that meeting to not happen so, yes, there's right now a little bit of contention as Clemson, Florida State, NC State, and North Carolina are the ones abstaining from adding additional members to the ACC. But according to sources, a little momentum to do a little expansion within the ACC. Now to the SEC and the first black student athlete at the University of Mississippi, Coolidge Ball, has died at the age of 71. Ball played for the Revs back in the early 1970s. Again, the first black athlete where he scored more than 1,000 points, guiding the Rebels to three consecutive winning seasons, 1972 to 1974. He was the black athlete, first one, trailblazer for the basketball team. Gentle Ben Williams would be one of the first two black football players for Ole Miss back in the 1970s. After his time playing for Ole Miss and the Rebels, Ball stayed in Oxford where he opened up the Ball Sign Company and put up signs around North Mississippi for decades. Coolidge Ball, who has a statue outside of the pavilion there on the Ole Miss campus now, the first black student athlete for the Rebels of Ole Miss, the Johnny Rebs' first black athlete, Coolidge Ball, dying this week at age 71. And that is a quick update on sports. We're going to wrap this hour up after this quick timeout of the Y'all Show as we've got information that you need to know about as we will tell you after the break all about the salary every single person needs to make to get by. We'll have that information as we wrap up Hour 2. Stay tuned. this hour with a little once in a blue moon we got that super blue moon going on on this wednesday evening and we've got some business news to tell you as we close up hour number two as cnbc has an article that's just been posted 
the salary a single person needs to get by in every U.S. state. Hopefully, you're going to get by wherever you are. Alabama, the annual living wage for a single person, what you need to have to get by, just over 46000 a year. Arkansas, it's 47000 a year. In the state of Florida, you better have $57,000 in the bank account if you're going to survive in the Sunshine State. Georgia, it's just over 49000 a year for a single person to get by. In the state of Kentucky, that number is 47318 annual living wage for a single person in Kentucky. Louisiana, it's just over 50000 a year. Maryland, $67,000 a year is what you better have in the bank account. In Mississippi, surely it's going to be a lot lower. Yeah, 45906 the annual living wage for a single person in Mississippi. In the state of Missouri, it's 47771 In North Carolina, the amount you need to have to get by, 53000 Over in Oklahoma, it's 46000 a year. In the state of South Carolina, 52000 I'm comparing South Carolina to North Carolina. Yeah, North Carolina, just a little bit more than its neighbor to the south. In the state of Tennessee, 48000 a year is what you need to have to get by an annual living wage in the volunteer state. Texas, it's just over 50000 And in the state of Virginia, 57000 a year, while West Virginia is 47000 a year. Again, the CNBC article, the salary a single person needs to get by in every U.S. state. Hawaii, by the way, it will require you to have $112,000 a year to get by if you live in that state. And then, as I said, Mississippi's right around 45. Big difference between Mississippi and Hawaii, you think? And that wraps up our two. we got Megan Headwall dropping by for a great conversation about jobs and more in hour number three. So stay tuned to the show that shakes the Southland. We are the Y'all Show. Take it away, ETC. Welcome back to the final hour of this Wednesday Y'all Show, the show that shakes up the Southland, although that's probably not a good word to use as we're getting shook up on the Gulf Coast of Florida today with Hurricane Adalia making landfall here on this Wednesday morning as a Category 4 hurricane. We've got info about that we'll share with you in a second. John Rawls, my name, now joined by Megan Headwall for this final hour of the y'all show and it's our final visit with megan as megan has decided to uh exit stage left after today's y'all show yes. i'm heartbroken i know i'm sorry but it's nothing i did i hope no well i just my training it was life. the audience no no it's their fault y'all need to call in more no <laughs> no i've picked up more training clients so. she's, she's got more money coming in from other places so yeah. we wish you the best with that thank 
you. I mean, you're obviously pretty good, or else you wouldn't be getting all this business. Well, I would hope so, yeah. <laughs> I would hope so, too. And Megan Headwall, again, this is her final visit today on the Y'all Show. And we're going to talk about jobs. Yes. So we're going to talk about good jobs and bad jobs. This obviously must have been one of your worst jobs. No, <laughs> not the worst. Not the worst. Okay, well, we'll talk about it with you in our next segment as we're getting ready for Labor Day on Monday. We will not be on the air, by the way, Monday so we were going to give you monday off anyway megan that was nice of (laughs) (laughs) y'all yeah it's nice of y'all but uh, congratulations on uh, all your success and keep it going i will don't forget about us little people no i won't (laughs) we're not going to forget about you you've got to help me get through the next uh, 30 minutes or so of this show so we've got megan coming by or she's already here but she's going to be bringing the heat of jobs in our next segment before the hour is up It's all about Civil War history, as today marks the Battle of the Second Bull Run. Could you believe in 1861, there was a big battle just outside of Washington, D.C., called Bull Run? Mm -hmm. And what's crazy is, a year later, they had another battle at the same spot. That's why it's called the First Battle of Manassas, a.k.a. Bull Run. Depends on if you're a Yankee or a Confederate. And in the second, 1862, it was second bull run. Both, by the way, Confederate victories in the American Civil War. We will tell you all about that. Plus, on this date in Southern history, Ty Cobb made his debut in Major League Baseball for the Detroit Tigers. You've probably seen a Tigers game, haven't you? I have, yeah. Yeah, I figured you had. Did you ever see Ty Cobb pitch? No. Okay. Ty Cobb made his debut, the Georgia hurler. That's an important day in baseball history. That was today in history. We'll tell you about that, plus some birthdays of note celebrating today. How about a guy that I didn't realize had a Southern connection, Jeffrey Bean, the designer, fashion guy, born in the South on this date, as well as tennis great Andy Roddick. Tennis great Andy Roddick, who won a major or two or three. We'll give you a little bit of information about him. But he's got a birthday today as the U.S. Open has just started up in New York. Have you ever played tennis? Yeah, I are, played back in high school, and then I play for fun on family vacations. Are sometimes. you good? No. How's your backhand? My backhand's actually stronger than my, like, what would you Forehand. Forehand, yeah. yeah. It's okay. Don't look at me. You're the tennis player. <laughs> so you're pretty ago. good at backhand. I do have a pretty good backhand. I bet you could whip me out there on the tennis court. I don't think I could... I don't think I could do anything out there. These it's too days. hot out there right now. No, that. it's not. Today's going to be nice for most of the South, so that that's not an excuse. And, <laughs> and, I mean, I think I could even beat you if we were playing around Tallahassee today because it's storming right there. You ever played in the rain? Yeah, a couple times. Nothing heavy. It's probably though. pretty dangerous from a slipping standpoint. Yeah, but when you're young and dumb. Yeah. As you are, I'm not. Dumb? No, young. Oh. <laughs> but not dumb. You're not dumb. <laughs> Just kidding. You're not dumb. Yeah, definitely not that. So those are some of our fun things coming up in this final hour. If you would like to be involved, if you want to wish Megan all the best, feel free to drop us an email, M-A-I-L, mail at Y-A-L-L.com. We'd love to share that with her before she says goodbye. Again, today, her last day, and we appreciate her being here with us these last few months of the Y'all Show. Thank you. fun. Your flowers will be showing up here any moment. Okay. (laughs) Let's get into the news headlines. Have you been keeping up with Adalia? No. Okay. Well, that's fine. It just kind of supposed to hit today. Yeah, it's hitting right. It's hitting today, uh, around uh, southeast of Tallahassee is where it's hitting. Category four, big one. 
Yeah. I think that's what Katrina was. Pretty sure. I think you're right. In 2005, Katrina was a Category 4. Of course, Katrina hit very populated areas. This thing is hitting what's called the Big Bend area of Florida, which is not very populated. Katrina was Category 5. It was a Category 5. Okay, sorry. I was just one off. No, that's okay. You were close. It was good. Yeah. (laughs) I knew it wasn't a 3. But Category 4 storm today, and this thing's going to cause havoc not only in Florida, but it's heading toward Georgia and the Carolinas, and alerts and warnings out for all of those southern states today. Please be very cautious if you're going to be anywhere near the path of Hurricane Adalia, which strengthened overnight. In fact, it was just, I think, Tuesday on the Y'all Show, I told you this thing was still a tropical storm. Now it's already gone up to a Cat 4 as it came ashore early on this Wednesday morning in the state of Florida. I'm a hurricane survivor. I've survived one, and it wasn't a lot of fun. Where were you at? I was in Charleston. Oh. Yeah, I was in Charleston. I, I, I was able to get inland before it hit, but I had to go back after the thing came through. And one of the thrills, if you will, mm-hmm. for the next six months at least, I had to, every time I brushed my teeth or any time I went and got water, it tasted like sap. Eesh. Because of all the trees that went down and got in the probably not good in the groundwater. Yeah, that's not good. We had to, I, and you know, sadly that was a long time ago. Bottled water was not what it is now. You didn't have bottled water. Yeah, I don't even know if bottled water existed. <laughs> I'm serious. I remember when you went to the fast food joints, they'd give you a canned drink oh. for months. And that, that's the kind of stuff that happens when a hurricane comes through is things you take for granted, like water. Yeah. And you have electricity is going to be out for a while for a lot of these people. Maybe. Then you have the the amount of trees that get knocked over cause roads to be closed for months. It's, it's, a big, it's a big mess. Now, living in paradise like Florida has its perks. But today is a day where you're thinking, I should have move to michigan no no i don't know about that (laughs) yeah i should be in michigan right now so we wish everybody the best um with this but but this adalia is a big one category four today other headlines before we turn it over to job talk here on this wednesday edition of the y'all show is the fact that we've got political stuff going on steve scalise did you see that he has a form of blood cancer no i missed the house leader yes he he announced that on tuesday remember this is the guy who nearly died from the gunshot of that congressional softball game that they play or maybe that's a baseball game they play and he was gunned down there and thankfully survived but scalise the louisiana congressman announcing that he's got this tough battle with blood cancer but he says it's treatable and we wish him the best in that fight we have our first casualty of the presidential election of 2024 yeah are you heartbroken that miami mayor francis suarez has suspended his campaign no you're not upset i'm sure he's a nice guy oh i'm sure i'm sure he would be better than who's in there now uh anybody okay pretty much be better (laughs) all right other than maybe kamala you better get out your stuff while you can, Megan Headwall, because you're not going to be here anymore. You better, if there's anything you've been holding back, 
today's your lucky let it day. Out. <laughs> yeah, let it let it out today. But yes, Miami Mayor Francis Suarez, who didn't make the debate in Milwaukee the other day, and that's part of his reason for suspending his campaign. Yeah, didn't he, have the funds. Do you remember? I think the first the first Democrat to suspend his campaign in twenty twenty. Who? I'm pretty sure. I'm right on this, and I'm having a senior moment here. I got his first name, but his last name. What? Uh, yeah, here it is. Eric Swalwell. Remember oh. him, Mister yeah. Mister. I love a Chinese spy. spy. Yeah. Yeah, he was running for president <laughs> in 2020, and, and he and his big deal was, you know, he was going to get Trump. He was going to get Trump. He on all that impeachment stuff, and he was like the first one. I think he was the first one to drop out. Yeah. Would you rather have Swalwell than no. than Biden? Oh, I don't even know. They're both bad options. Hmm. Well, this guy's at least younger. Yeah, but he's sleeping around and with the enemy. Yeah, a China. I mean, how how could you sleep with a Chinese spy? And B, I think he's on the House Intelligence Committee. Yeah. How how could that be possible? How can how, how's he not in jail? Oh, because these politicians, they're untouchable. Well, Swalwell sure is. So are the Clintons and the Bidens. All of them. All of them. She's not holding back today. Have you been keeping up with Nashville and the special session there? With the it came to an abrupt end Tuesday. The, the red flag. The red flag laws didn't happen. Nothing changed there. In fact, yeah. the Democrats said it was a waste of their time, and I'm not sure they're wrong on that. Why did this thing even get called? Yeah. The Democrats now pledging they're going to bust up the Republican supermajority in the state of Tennessee. Now, before this thing came to an end Tuesday in Nashville, this is on the House floor in Nashville. Speaker Cameron Sexton and one of these Tennessee Three members, Justin Pearson, they got into a uh, a scene there. They got into each other's faces, hmm. and Sexton was leaving the House floor, and they got they had to be separated by lawmakers there in Nashville. Ugly scene there. You don't do this kind of stuff. Of course, the Representative Pearson and his two other people of the tennessee state house they're the one that got in trouble for causing a ruckus a few months back and got kicked out two of two of the three two of the three kicked out and then they're now back in serving the state of tennessee as house members but it's a contentious time in the at least the tennessee u.s the tennessee house yeah their house is not in order in tennessee also in our story of headlines across the southeast today, I want to let you know about this story, Megan, Dairy Queen. They're going to be offering blizzards for just 85 cents. They're going to do this for two weeks. Nobody tell my dad. He will be there every day. Does he live pretty close to a Dairy Queen? Nope, but he'd be willing to make the trip. <laughs> he might for 85 cents. Yeah. There's going to be a new fall blizzard menu announced Monday. And it's going to be selling blizzards for 85 cents for a limited time. I don't know what the limited time is. Yeah. But yes, 85 cents blizzards between September 11th and the 24th, as Dairy Queen also selling small blizzard treats for that price. And they're going to have a new flavor coming out. I think it is called the Choco Dipped Strawberry Blizzard. Oh, that sounds good. And I think there's other 
flavors, s'mores, blizzard, and a cotton candy blizzard. Have you heard of those? Maybe it's blizzard. <clears throat> I'm not sure if they are new or being reintroduced or what. The blizzard treat was born in 1985. Dairy Queen and 85 cent blizzards, I, I should tell you that these may not be available to every single Dairy Queen location just as a cut, part, yeah. cover for my part. Yeah. I, I don't want to get sued. At participating locations. Yeah, pers- that's the word I was looking for. <laughs> 85 cent blizzard starting September 11th through the 24th at Dairy Queen and you got a new flavor coming to congratulations dad. Yeah. You can save a lot of money on blizzards pretty soon at Dairy Queen. Is that the kind of place you'd like to have a job at, a Dairy Queen? No, not me personally. I would work there. First of all, if Dairy Queen... Blizzards, maybe. Dairy Queen compared to other fast food joints, like, let's say, the the one with the M, uh-huh. I don't think they're anywhere as crowded. Yeah. So, from a volume standpoint, it's got to be easier to work at a Dairy Queen than a McDonald's. Maybe. Right? Maybe. Help me out here. I'm not sure. <laughs> Speaking of jobs, when we come back, Megan and I are going to talk about the best jobs and the worst jobs. Not only for what we've had, but have you done some research to find out what the best jobs are? Just a little bit. Okay, I figured you had. She's a she's a curious. researcher, <laughs> and and she's a future Dairy Queen employee as well. Uh, maybe not. Megan and I coming back talking jobs in honor of Labor Day, which is Monday. Happy early Labor Day to all y'all. And I've got, oddly enough, my best job was also my worst job. I'll tell you what that was on the other side of this break here on the show that shakes the Southland. There are people in this country who work hard every day Not for fame or fortune do they strive But the fruits of their labor Are worth more than their pay And it's time a few of them were recognized Hello Detroit Auto worker, let me thank you for your time You work a 40 hour week for a living Just to send it on down the line Hello Pittsburgh, still be a worker, let me thank you for your time. You work a 40 hour week for a living, just to send it on down the line. This is for the one who swings the hammer, driving home the nail. For the one behind the counter, ringing up the sales. For the one who fights the fire. The one who brings the mail For everyone who works behind the scenes Randy Owen and the boys of Alabama Talking a lot of that 40-hour week here As we get ready for Labor Day on Monday John and Megan back with you here We're going to talk about jobs Have you worked a 40-hour week lately, Megan? No I didn't think so 50-hour week (laughs) Maybe like an 80-hour week 80? Okay not recently, no. So you don't work 40-hour weeks? 
I did, I worked over forty hour weeks back when I was mayor and training and all okay, that. But, but okay, not here recently. Because you're like quitting us today, <laughs> and you're telling me you don't have forty hour. Work. I'm going to take the time and travel the world okay. that extra hour. All right, no. it's just me. I know what it's about. Now we wish you well, Megan. Is this is her last day for just tuning in? She's picked up more work with her other profession. Yes, and so she's going to be running her exercise instead of her mouth. Yeah. She gets more money doing that, unfortunately. We need to get you paid more for running your mouth. <laughs> yeah. How's that sound? That sounds you're, great. You're pretty good at it, actually. <laughs> Most women are. Well, I'll let you, I'll <laughs> I'll let you answer that. So we're going to spend a few minutes here talking about good jobs and bad jobs. Yes. Both personally and, and then what your research shows. So mm-hmm. let's leave our personal stuff on the counter for a second what are you finding as far as the best and worst jobs megan well i just did a quick search and the the best jobs they have listed are software software developer a lawyer teacher administrative assistant and nurse and then the worst jobs they have listed are a waiter or waitress a janitor a laborer and a truck driver so have you done any of those Let's go through it again because I wasn't paying attention because I'm not good at this job. What's uh, the worst? Well, let's talk about the best jobs. Okay. Number one was the lawyer. I'm not a lawyer. Okay. I'm, a, I'm accused of being a lawyer just because sometimes I dress nice, which is sad. <laughs> when you dress nice, people say, oh, he must be a lawyer. Okay. He's a lawyer. No, I'm not. <laughs> Number two, what? A software developer. I've never done that. No. A teacher. I've done that. Yeah, that's At true. the college level. Yeah, and that was kind of neat, but it was um, it's hard to get twenty two year old people to do what you're supposed to do. Yeah. I've, I've done that not full time. I've done it as an adjunct instructor, but I I did enjoy doing it. Have you done that? No. Have I, you done any of those well, other two? I mean, two? I, I'm not in a. Per, I mean, I teach people how to do things. Well, that's that's close well, close, close enough. enough. Yeah. Uh, sorry, what was the other question? What's the fourth? Oh, administrative assistant. I have done that for higher education. Have you? Yeah, for almost five years. How did that work? It was okay. Yeah, it was enjoyable, but sometimes it's hard working in that kind of environment. I'm going to pass. I don't think I've really ever done that kind of okay. job. And a nurse? I've definitely not done that. And I don't see how that could be one of the best jobs. I don't know. I've talked to a lot of nurses, and I guess it depends where you work in your mindset, but they're they're not always happy i think nurses is a special calling it's a special calling to go into that profession first of all they do make good money yeah and and there's that fraternity or sorority of being a nurse but the hours they have to shift those hours all the time yeah and then everything that you're dealing with i can handle blood all day long but everything else oof, i'm out yeah i, I wouldn't want to deal with my fellow nurses yeah right and that so that's those, those are, are the, the good jobs those are the good all jobs right. Yep, and then the top five worst jobs were like a cleaner, just very generic. A waiter. I've done a lot of cleaning. Yes. Yeah, it's not fun. Do that for yourself. Not necessarily full time, but part of the other jobs I've had. Yeah. Yeah. Then we've got a waiter or waitress. I have done that. I've done that for two weeks, not even as a job. I did it kind of to help out. Oh, I did it off and on, like when I'd come back from college on Christmas break, and. I, I was working in Nashville for the company that owned Opryland, yeah. which was the great theme park back in the 1980s and 90s. And they were so desperate for workers, they paid me to go be a waiter, waiter at one of the restaurants in Opryland. And I got paid my job that I normally had, plus overtime, plus tips. Oh, that's nice. So I was making about $50 an hour to be a waiter. 
Don't you for, wish you could have that now? I said only two weeks. Right. It was only about two weeks that I did it. So Because that's all they needed I, or because you quit? Uh, that's all they needed. They were just trying okay. to get through the, the season. Okay. And guess what? I think the next year, Opryland shut down, and now it's an outlet mall. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, got in and got out. <laughs> because of me, they shut it down. But what else? Yeah. Uh, janitor is listed as the third worst job. Not really have done that, no. No, I had a friend that did it, and sometimes I'd go say hey, and I'd help out a little bit. But mm. not something I'd want to do, no. A laborer. Yes, I've done that. I've worked, I mean, I grew up on a vegetable farm. Is that close enough? Yeah. Have you ever spent all day out in a field bending over and sweating your tail off? Yeah. You have. We've got a bunch of blueberry bushes. And yeah, but, one summer I stayed But as a job. Oh. Well, we sold the blueberries. Uh, okay, well, I guess that counts. But yes. no, I, I've done plenty of laboring in my past. I'm hoping those days are over. <laughs> and then the last one they have listed is a truck driver, which... I would not want to be one of those. I've I've driven twelve wheel trucks a good bit again for the farm. Yeah, I was pretty good at driving twelve wheel trucks all over the Carolinas and even Georgia, but uh, I didn't go like across the country. Yeah, and I like twelve wheel trucks. Those are the ones that don't have a trailer attached, uh-huh. but they're big. Yeah, I like driving those. I'm scared to drive an eighteen wheeler. Yeah, well, I have appreciation for them because. I do have some road rage, and having to be out on the road all day long, it's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't imagine. So those are some of the good... So what's so the, the best job you've ever had? Um, This one? Okay. That's why you're quitting. You're quitting on top. No. no. Uh, I don't know. I've, I've liked several of the jobs I've done in the past. Um, I really do enjoy personal training. It's... It's so exciting to see someone come in who might be a little nervous or not really sure what they're doing and watch them grow in confidence and, you know, and their self-image and their confidence just grows. That's that's rewarding. This is the thing. I think working with people can be one of the most rewarding things you ever do, and it can also be one of the worst things that you do because people are different, like difficult sometimes, and we all have different personality types, and as my parents and grandparents i like to point out when i encounter tough situations this isn't going to be the first time and it's not going to be the last time so you might as well get used to it <laughs> so you re- you've remembered that yeah okay i'm gonna I'm re- echo what they just what yeah. you just said about them wise folks you got there <laughs> in the headwall family so that's the best job is your current job your current number one job my i i would say the thing i enjoy the most yes okay well that's important it's important to get paid and enjoy getting paid doing what you love the hardest was probably the politics oh again megan was once mayor so you that was a hard job yeah it was hard it was lots of research and then when i was campaigning for county mayor on top of that it's a lot of work Mm -hmm. and uh yeah everybody's got an opinion and you're not going to make everyone happy and uh you never hear the good things you always hear the people who want to complain the people who appreciate what you're doing kind of keep silent so if you do have a representative or local politician that you are proud of you should thank them and let them know that you appreciate them because it can get hard and discouraging at times so you got to bolster them up all right megan very good very good point that you make there on this the final day that we got Megan on the <laughs> finally had one good point <laughs> yes on the y'all show as far as me the the worst job and kind of one of the easiest jobs I ever had were the same job as in college I delivered newspapers for the 
newspaper in South Carolina that uh, was the biggest one there. And I had a great gig, man. Yeah. It took me about five minutes to deliver about 200 newspapers because they were all in the same little route. Uh-huh. And I could knock it out easily and got paid pretty good. The worst job I had was delivering newspapers when I was in Nashville because I was working with the Tennessean. And they had these gigantic papers back in the 1990s that I'd have to stuff all the classifieds in, and I'd have to get up there at 4 in the morning. It was awful. It lasted about two weeks, and I said, goodbye. I'm not doing this anymore. How old were you with the one in South Carolina you enjoyed? I was in college. Okay. I was in college, and the other one was just a few years after that. But this was when newspapers were doing quite well, (laughs) and they'd be about six inches thick. Yeah. And we'd have to stuff them, and then we'd have to throw them out. And I was delivering them in, I think, Brentwood, which was a nice area. Mm-hmm. And you didn't want to mess up throwing yeah. papers at, in Brentwood at 4 in the morning. Yeah. It was a terrible job. My best job is the one I got right now. I love talking about the South. I love doing the website, y'all.com. I've had the magazine, y'all.com, that was an honor to do and would love to bring that back one day. If you make it big in the <laughs> business that you're in and want to invest, uh, call me up. <laughs> sure. But I uh, love talking about the South and love being all about the south so i love the y'all stuff but uh this business of working has its ups and downs and as we get ready for labor day monday we want to thank everybody that's got <clears throat> some of those great jobs and you're gonna have to take it over i'm I get emotional uh, well choked up <clears throat> there <laughs> you, you got it the great jobs and the awful jobs out there yeah but someone's got to do it so after this spell, I think I'm going to have to get me a different job. Uh-oh. <laughs> I need to go back to talk, typing and not instead of talking. <laughs> but, uh, <clears throat> Megan, thank you very much. Thank again, I'm you. getting emotional because you're leaving us. <laughs> we wish you the best again. You're going into the, the personal trainer stuff full-time even more than you already yeah, are. Picking up a bunch of clients. So She's good at what more. she does. I am. I'd like to think I am. What's your no best problem. success story? Um, the one I'm most proud of, um, I have a woman who I've been working with for several months now. Um, she's got some bad arthritis, and her doctor told her, do not lift weights. Lifting weights is the worst thing that you could possibly do for yourself. Mm-hmm. Just stick to warm water pool exercises. And she brought me on and told me, and I said, we'll ease into it. And she went back to her doctor a month after working with me, and her doctor said, you shouldn't be able to do these things right now. Um, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. It's working, and it's helping you a lot, and you look good. And she said, well, I'm doing what you told me not to do, and I'm lifting weights. And uh, not saying don't listen to your doctors, but... Um, but lift- listen to Megan. No, don't. <laughs> Sometimes, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> not all the time. But that's... I'm so proud of her. She's done amazing, and she's continuing to lose weight, and she's building muscle, and it's she gets more so excited every time we get together so i actually get to see her tomorrow and i'm excited for that all right well you can go see her without having worked on the y'all show and you should be all bubbly and ready to go when you see her (laughs) thank you for this thank you for being with us last few couple of months here megan headwall we wish you all the best and stop by and see us sometime don't be a stranger because we need to get in shape around here sure Anytime. All right, the Y'all Show continues after this break. We're going to talk some Southern history as we wrap up this Wednesday edition. The 
the sun shone bright and clear that day We all left Washington to lick the rebel boys in gray At the Battle of Bull Run They came from Pennsylvania and some from Maryland To see the rebel boys get spanked by Honest Abe's broad hand We said we'll run them to Atlanta and to Galveston Bay but they ran us back to Washington, Philadelphia, and Philadelphia. The ladies wore their brightest shawls, the gentlemen were gay. They came to see their Yankee boys with old Virginia. I held my mama's hand and skipped when a soldier said to me, Would you rather have Jeff Davis hat or the sword of Bobby Lee? Galveston Bay, but they ran us back to Washington and Philadelphia, and Philadelphia. And then the general dubbed his hat and said, let's rest a spell. And for the first time we all heard that awful rebel yell. Waters of Manassas Creek became a ruby red. And many a rib and Yankee boy lay in the willows dead. We said we'll run on to Atlanta and to Galveston. Great music there from Johnny Horton. Yeah, sounds like the Battle of New Orleans. No, that's the Battle of Bull Run from Johnny Horton. Awesome song there. Here on the Y'all Show, it's time now for a little Southern History Talk as we wrap up our Wednesday edition. And... Bull Run is on our minds today, that battle in Northern Virginia. We had the battle that Johnny Horton's singing about of 1861, which was a big surprise victory for the boys in gray in 1861. Well, on that same site, on this date in 1862, a year after Bull Run number one, you had the second battle of Bull Run in Northern Virginia. And it was another Confederate victory that happened on this date in history in 1862 as forces under General Robert E. Lee and his Army of Northern Virginia went up against John Pope's Union forces. And on this date in history, the Confederates able to knock off the Yanks in Prince William County, Virginia. This was a battle that had 14,000 Yankee casualties and over 7,500 Confederate casualties and a, a big turn of events in 1862 with this battle of Bull Run that went down a Confederate victory again this in 1862 the South had lost Shiloh in Tennessee things weren't going so great for Jefferson Davis's fledgling country but in 1862 in August at least the South with a big victory there at the Second Battle of Bull Run, and that happened today in history. Today in history was the debut of Tyrus Raymond Cobb for the Detroit Tigers, the guy out of Narrows, Georgia. That's where Ty Cobb was born. He made his debut in Major League Baseball on this date for the Detroit Tigers. And what a career he had in baseball an All-American League MVP in 1911. He won the Triple Crown Trophy also as a 
baseball player, the batting champion of the American League for 12 different years, the home run leader in 1909, and just a tremendous, tremendous baseball player who made his debut for the Detroit Tigers as he was making the equivalent of $25,000 back in the nineteen early 1900s as he got his start there. August 30th, 1905, he debuted in center field for Detroit in his first major league at bat. He doubled off of Jack Chesbro of the New York Highlanders, which would become the New York Yankees. And Chesbro had actually won 41 games the previous year. When Ty Cobb got that hit that day in 1905, he was 18 years old, the youngest player in the American League by almost a year. One of baseball's greatest players, Ty Cobb, born, or not born, he made his debut with the the. Detroit Tigers, he went on to play for the Philadelphia Athletics, playing for them in the late 1920s, but he was with the Tigers of Detroit 1905 to 1926 and was always a American League player. He would go on to also, in between playing for the Tigers and Athletics for a number of years, he was a player manager as he managed the Tigers from 1921 to 1926 the Georgia native born in Narrows, Georgia which is in Banks County Banks County is northeast Georgia Baldwin is the county seat of Banks County not far from Athens Ty Cobb would die at the age of 74 in 1961 in Georgia's state capital of Atlanta Ty Cobb made his debut on this date in history. Some birthdays to tell you about. Huey Long was born on this date in 1893. The Kingfish, the Louisiana U.S. Senator, and of course, the 40th Governor of the Pelican State, as he was Governor between 1928 and 1932. I didn't realize he was only Governor one term, of course, known for his some would call communist or socialist manners as he likely paved the way for FDR to implement some of the policies that the Roosevelt administration had during the Great Depression. Huey Long born in Winfield, Louisiana in 1893. After his term as governor, he was elected as a U.S. senator for the state of Louisiana. I should say he was elected. He, he could have appointed himself, now that I think about it. But regardless, he was a U.S. senator representing Louisiana in Washington, D.C. And it was in that role that in 1935 at the state capitol in Baton Rouge, Huey Long was assassinated And one of the ugly chapters of the 20th century was this guy being assassinated right there in the state capital of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Just a legend in Louisiana. I talked to somebody who said they were 
close to someone who was coming of age in the 1930s when Huey Long was such a powerful figure in Louisiana. And he said what got Huey Long so much love in the state was that he promised free textbooks for the students. And he had all these what we would call today socialist type programs that were established for Louisiana's residents. But the textbook thing and his share our wealth plan, especially in the middle of a depression, was a big, big plus for his political future. There was even, according to Time Magazine and others, ambitions of Huey Long to run for president, perhaps in the 1936 presidential election. But he was assassinated again on September 8, 1935, as he was in the state capitol, literally in the building, and was assassinated. I'm trying to find who killed him. I don't see the name of the person that gunned him down, but it was a, at least a movie or two have been made about Huey Long, the kingfish of Louisiana, born on this date in history. In North Louisiana. He was not a Cajun. He was from North Louisiana. Also born in this day, the lady who made country music famous as sort of its first female superstar, Kitty Wells. Kitty Wells born in Nashville, August 30th of 1919. Kitty Wells' big 1952 song, It Wasn't God Who Made Honky Tonk Angels which was a huge hit as she became the first female country singer to have I think a number one song I think that was the first number one song by a female in the Billboard charts history and then that song there had an answer I think it maybe it was an answer song the good old answer songs if you will that used to go on in music from time to time as it was a answer to Hank Thompson's The Wild Side of Life, which came out in 1952 as well. Were they written by the same artist? Let's see. Uh, Anita Carter and William Warren wrote Wild Side of Life. And a guy named Jay Miller wrote It Wasn't God Who Made Honky Tonk Angels from Kitty Wells born again on this date in 1952. She would go on and marry Johnny Wright. Johnny Wright, also a country music star with the duo Johnny and Jack. She and Johnny married a long time. Kitty Wells, the native Tennessean, with a birthday today. Happy birthday. We lost Kitty Wells back in 2012. She died at the age of 92 in Madison, just north of Nashville. Another Southern connection with a birthday today, Jeffrey Bean, the fashion designer. Jeffrey Bean was born in Haynesville, Louisiana in 1924, died in 2004 at the age of 80 in New York City. Jeffrey Bean, maybe you know that name. He actually got, when he got out of his native Haynesville, as he was born into a family of doctors, he went to study medicine at Tulane in New Orleans but dropped out 
after three years of study and then went on to Los Angeles where he studied fashion design at the University of Southern California later moved to New York City and did quite a job with women's fashion with Jeffrey Bean again a Louisiana native born on this date in history in 1924 another southerner with a birthday I had the great pleasure to become friends with this guy and he's still with us I haven't talked to him a in a few years Cooter it's Cooter's birthday y'all today is the birthday of Ben Jones of the Dukes of Hazard fame Ben Jones was once a Georgia congressman he actually had the same seat that Newt Gingrich would once have and Ben Jones was born on this date in 1941 in Edgecombe County North Carolina Ben Jones would go on to study at the University of North Carolina then got involved in acting as he played the role of Cooter on the Dukes of Hazard, which ran all throughout the most of the 1980s. Then he got into Congress, and then he's, in more recent years, helped put on some of these Dukes Fests, and Ben has also got his Cooter's Place gift shop that has lots of Dukes of Hazard paraphernalia. Great guy. Had the opportunity to get him to come visit the y'all headquarters once in Mississippi he came all the way from Virginia and we had a parade with Cooter riding on the General Lee pretty neat story Robert Parrish the great Boston Celtic player has a birthday today happy 70th birthday to the guy who was born in Shreveport and played for the centenary gents in college basketball before going on to the NBA also speaking of sports the native of North Kentucky, Northern Kentucky, Sean Alexander, who played collegiately for the Alabama Crimson Tide, then went on to play with the Seahawks and Redskins, the NFL MVP in 2005. Sean Alexander is 46 years young today. Happy birthday, Sean. And another Southern with, Southerner with sports connections, Andy Roddick, has a birthday as he was born on this date in 1982. He was born in Nebraska, but spent much of his uh, time in both Texas and Florida and claims Austin as a residence now. Happy birthday, tennis star Andy Roddick. And that wraps up y'all for this Wednesday edition. We will be back with you on Thursday with more Talk About the South with our Spotlight School, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Roll Tide, y'all.